Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today we're going to talk about Newton's Three Laws of Motion. If you glance through the books in your personal library, chances are that you do not have a copy of Principia Mathematica Philosophia Naturalis. However, you might consider adding it to your collection, because this book, written in 1687 by Sir Isaac Newton, contains the definitions of some of the most important natural laws in the universe. Newton's Three Laws of Motion. Today we'll take a look at those three laws and see how they impact the most noble of sports, soccer. Today's soccer-inspired glance at the three laws of motion are brought to you by lynda.com. At lynda.com, you can choose from over 85,000 video tutorials on topics ranging from salary negotiation, social media, web design, and more. And you can try it all free for seven days. Learn at your own pace at any time with top-quality video courses taught by industry experts who are passionate about teaching. You can even learn on the go with the lynda.com optimized mobile site or their free iPhone and iPad app for members. That's lynda.com slash everyday. Every soccer game starts with the ball sitting on the center spot of the field. It remains there until the team that won the coin toss decides to kick it. The reason the ball just sits there and doesn't roll off into a goal is because of the first law of motion. The first law of motion is commonly referred to as the law of inertia. In its original form, it states, Every body persists in its state of being at rest, or of moving uniformly straightforward, except insofar as it is so compelled to change its state by a force impressed. In other words, unless compelled to do otherwise, things tend to keep on doing whatever they were doing before. So the soccer ball, under no compulsion to do otherwise, just sits on the center spot, waiting. Forever. Now eventually, someone will kick the ball, and things really start to get exciting. When the ball's kicked, the force of the kick acts on the ball, causing it to accelerate. Forces and acceleration are covered handily by the second law, which Newton described as... The alteration of motion is ever proportional to the motive force impressed and is made in the direction of the right line in which that force is impressed. But that wasn't very catchy, so later on people just started referring to the second law as force equals mass times acceleration, or F equals MA for short. Let's take a look at some of the other forces that are acting on the ball. First, we have the initial kick that propelled the ball out of its restful state on the center spot. As the ball soars through the air, it starts to experience another force, wind resistance, or drag. Drag is a force that acts on objects traveling through fluids. And in science, we consider not just liquids to be fluids, but also gases, such as air. This means that as the ball travels through the air, it is traveling through a fluid and is subject to drag forces. There are a couple of different factors that affect how much drag an object encounters as it flies through the air, including its shape and the exact composition of the air. But if those things remain equal, the main factor that affects drag is the relative velocity of the object to the fluid. Relative velocity means the ball's velocity compared with the air's velocity. If the air is moving against the ball, then the ball will experience more drag than if the air is moving in the same direction as the ball. Another force that is constantly acting on the ball is the force of gravity. 
Gravity, as you might imagine, is always trying to pull the ball back down to the Earth. It's important to note that gravity is always pulling the ball down, even back when it was sitting calmly on its center spot. The higher you kick the ball, the less gravity acts on it. However, that change is relatively small in terms of soccer ball kicks. Even if you could kick the ball as high as Mount Everest, or were playing a soccer game on top of Mount Everest, the force of gravity would only decrease by about 0.2%. Once the ball is back on the field, it starts to experience yet another force, friction. Friction occurs when one solid moves across another solid. How much friction is exerted on the ball and the ground depends on several factors, including the mass of the ball, the slope of the ground, and something called the coefficient of friction. The coefficient of friction of two objects depends on what they're made of. The higher the coefficient of friction, the more friction those objects will encounter when moving against each other. For example, the coefficient of friction for rubber and asphalt is about 0.9, while the value for rubber and wet asphalt can be as low as 0.25, which is why your car is more likely to slide on a wet road than on a dry one. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Lynda.com. With Lynda.com, you can learn software, business, and creative skills to achieve personal and professional goals. Try Lynda.com free for seven days by visiting Lynda.com slash everyday. Last but not least, we have the third law of motion. The third law is probably the most well-known. Actioni contrarium semper et achelium esse reactionum. Or, in English, to every action, there is always an equal and opposite reaction. What this means is that every time you kick a soccer ball, the soccer ball kicks you back with the same amount of force. So if that's true, why don't you go flying down the soccer field? Well, remember that force is equal to mass times acceleration. Since your leg is considerably more massive than a soccer ball, it isn't accelerated as much as the soccer ball is. So that concludes our soccer-inspired tour of Newton's Laws of Motion. One phenomenon we didn't have time to talk about today, but which has heavy influence on the behavior of soccer balls, is the set of forces introduced when the ball spins. The physics behind this behavior are relatively complicated, but if you want to learn more, check out the great article by Rhett Elaine at the National Geographic Science Blogs, Dot Physics. Or if you're more curious, you can read the original paper on the subject, linked to on the show notes. If you like today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook, or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash qdteinstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Lee Phelan, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.